This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Everything's fixed. Uh, welcome Isn't to Pat and Stew with our friend Jeffy. Triple eight seven two seven Beck, and of course I use the term friend lately, what do you loosely, mean? Uh, loosely and lately. Uh, well, heavily in your case, but uh, loosely I guess would be the operative word. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down and shut up, would you please? Uh, after eighteen days of intense and fractious negotiation, we finally got it. We did it. Diplomats declare the world powers and Iran struck a deal uh, to curb Iran's nuclear program in exchange for billions of dollars in relief uh, from the international sanctions. Thank so you. it's done. It's a done deal. Obama has threatened to, to veto any effort to stop it. So uh, overriding a veto would be almost impossible. He's good with the vigorous talk about it. Once people exactly looking into it, yeah. digging into it. Well, he can't wait for the robust debate. He can't wait for it. He's going to have that but. Yeah, but. Don't try anything or I'm going to veto as it. As long as the debate turns out the way I want, I'm for the it's robust all debate. All good. Yeah, everything's fine. The accord will keep Iran from producing enough material for a nuclear weapon. Uh-huh. Wink, wink. For at least 10 years and impose new provisions for inspections of Iranian facilities. It doesn't say, I was reading here the same thing. I didn't see, uh-huh, uh-huh wink, wink. <laughs> no, I didn't, no, it's kind of implied. It's implied. I'm reading between the lines. You got to huh. read between the lines a little bit. Uh, but new provisions for inspections, including military sites, supposedly. <clears throat> some of these uh, most, uh, some of their most uh, secure and secret facilities. We're going to get Some right of their in. most sen- sensitive facilities. Get right in. Not included. 24-7, Pat. Just like batteries, not included. 24-7. 24-7 at this some morning. facilities with warning. A little after 7 uh, o'clock Eastern. Yeah, he did. For about 15 to 17 minutes. Yeah. I, I, I listened to it on the local radio driving in this morning. And so this morning uh, during the radio show was the first time I actually saw the video. I didn't realize <laughs> he pulled Biden out of bed, too. Yeah, he and did. Just to stand behind yes, him. Did. It was so important. Yeah, I know. It was a, so such a big, big deal. He, well, jo- Joe, you got to make it. This is important to him. This it is, sure is. This is his foreign policy legacy, and it, it's going to be. I mean, look, while we're while we're doing this negotiation, they're having these massive state-run uh, demonstrations, saying "Death to America," burning the American and Israeli flag. There's yeah. pictures of the head. I had. Khomeini walking across the Israeli flag, yep, stepping all over it. I mean, he, come on, that's just an accident. Yeah, it's not good. 
marks a dramatic break from decades of animosity between the U.S. and Iran. Well, it, it marks a dramatic break of animosity on our side. Yeah. There's no break of animosity on their side. <laughs> that continues unabated. Jeez. Uh, and, of course, we, we continually have these exchanges with each other. The, to us, they are the leading state sponsor of terrorism, which they are. Uh, to, to them, we're the great Satan, which we are not. Uh, speaking from Vienna, still on crutches, nursing a broken leg, Secretary of State John Kerry called the Iranian agreement the good deal that we sought. We were determined to get this right. And I believe our persistence paid off. Think about it. That's what I believe. I believe that our persistence paid off. There was, Jeffy, a chasm between us and Iran in this deal. In the beginning. And I shouted across that chasm. I said, I'm Israel Chachem Blechenmach. And that's what I said. And that, that bridged the chasm and healed the chasm. That was this deal us. proves that. And this deal proves it. In addition to lifting the sanctions, uh, only as provisions in the deal are met, supposedly. Kerry explained how Iran's nuclear facility would be turned into a research center. Now, they've got several nuclear facilities. So I don't know why we're, we're talking in the singular here. Iran's nuclear facility, facility would be turned into a research center that will have daily inspections and include scientists from other countries. Now, that leads you, that shows you right there. We're not inspecting the other sensitive ones. We're not inspecting the secret ones that they've kept hidden from us for all this time. But we'll definitely see the uh, research facility where they all hang out and have lunch. Yeah, we'll see that. And show one. up and yeah. have sodas. And look, we're not producing anything. Right. It's a, it's a concrete factory. We just mix concrete here. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what you're talking about with this nuclear thing. Spokesman for Iraqi Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi said the nuclear deal announced uh, between Iran and world powers in Vienna will be a catalyst for regional stability. Mm. Diplomats said Iran agreed to the continuation of a U.N. arms embargo on the country for up to five years, though it could end earlier if the International Atomic Energy Agency uh, definitively clears Iran of any current work on nuclear weapons. So there's the deal in a nutshell. It real good. Yeah. The embargo will be lifted. No, it will. Everybody wants it lifted. I, yes, yes. It'll be lifted within a couple of years. They won't wait five for this. But here's, uh, here's the president this morning talking about the deal. Oh, I thought we were going to. No, we're not going to no, avoid it. I believe it. it would be irresponsible eh? to walk away from this deal. But on huh? such a huh? tough issue, it is important that the American people and their representatives in Congress get a full opportunity to review the deal. After all, the details matter. And we've had some of the finest nuclear scientists in the world working through those details. <laughs> and we're dealing with a country, Iran, that has been mm -hmm. a sworn adversary of the United States for over 35 years. And still is, by so the way. So I welcome mm -hmm. a robust debate in Congress on oh, this he, issue. He and I welcome scrutiny debate. of the details of this agreement. Yeah, so long as nobody vetoes it. But I it. will remind Congress that you don't make deals like this with your friends. What? We negotiated arms control agreements with the Soviet Union when that nation was committed to our destruction. Yes, so was And Iran. those agreements ultimately made us safer. No, they didn't. No, no they didn't. I am confident that this deal will meet no. the national security interests of the United States mm. and our allies. Are you? So I will veto any legislation <laughs> that prevents so the successful implementation I don't care. of this deal. 
That's amazing. He talks. We do the... not have to accept an inevitable spiral into conflict. Uh-huh. And we certainly shouldn't seek it. And precisely because the stakes are so high, mm-hmm. this is not the time for politics or posturing. So he draws the false narrative Tough again. Tough talk yeah, from Washington does not trick. solve problems. It's a favorite trick. Hard-nosed diplomacy. Diplomacy. Leadership that has united the world's major powers. Power. Mm-hmm. Offers a more effective way to verify that Iran mm-hmm. is not pursuing a nuclear weapon. Yeah, and he battles about the Soviet agreements that we had, which they never followed. They never followed. Right, that was the whole big deal. I mean, was this guy born yesterday? The, the, the Soviets never followed them. What made us safer was Ronald Reagan. That's what made us safer, finally, ultimately, was Ronald Reagan and the Star Wars campaign that he did, where we were mm-hmm. going to have that defensive system. And it scared the hell out of the Soviets, so they spent themselves into oblivion. That's what made us safer was ending communism through strength, through saying, look, we, we know you're the evil empire. We t- tear down the wall, for one thing, okay? And we're not going to give in to you on any of these uh, accounts, and we're not going to sign bogus agreements that you guys never follow because you're not following them. So it doesn't make any difference. So it doesn't make any difference. So that's what, that's what made us safer and won the Cold War for us, not his bull crap. But there was more uh, from... Barack Obama. Oh, we're still here. It is. Okay, yeah, there's more. Mm-hmm. Time and again, I have and made clear to the Iranian people mm-hmm. that we will always be open to Look engagement on the basis <laughs> of mutual interests. It's kind of what's he standing there for? That's weird. I have no idea. Our differences are real. Just to show that, and the difficult history between I, our I, nations yeah, cannot be ignored. Mm-hmm. But it is possible it is to change. Possible. The path mm-hmm. of violence and rigid ideology. Mm-hmm. A foreign policy based on threats to attack your neighbors or eradicate Israel, that's a dead end. A different path, one of tolerance and peaceful resolution of conflict, leads to more integration into the global economy, more engagement with the international community, and the ability of the Iranian people to prosper and thrive. Well, there's a gaping hole. This deal offers an opportunity to to move in a new direction. Yeah, it would have been bad. We should seize it. History shows that America must lead not just with our might, but with our principles. (laughs) It shows we are stronger not when we are alone, but when we bring the world together. Today's announcement marks one more chapter in this pursuit of a safer and more helpful, more hopeful world. Thank you. No, no, seriously. Thank and God you. Bless the USA. He made a point of saying that today, too. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, he, did. he made a point. Joe's looking pretty good. I mean, uh, I know he's let's good get the close up of, of, uh, of Barack and Joe together because this is beautiful. This is, is. I mean, that, that is meaningful right there. He's got his back. I think what he's saying there is, Barack, I got your back, dude. Yes, dude, like, I got your back. I know look he's had a, you know, a tough few and, months and he's missing his son and everything, but he looks good. He looks like he he's look lost a little weight. Yeah. No, he's, had a little couple of tugs. He's looking more and more like uh, Dunham's puppet. Than oh, ever. No, I think he's a handsome man for as old as he is. He's a, he's a handsome man. <laughs> and he's standing shoulder to shoulder Darn with handsome. the President of the United States. Darn handsome man. Do you think he's out there because he's contemplating running for president? Yeah, darn right he is. And uh, this ties him to that legacy, to that deal. And now he can go out on the campaign trail and say, yeah, I helped do that thing. I, I don't know any of the details, but man, was I Woo. instrumental in that. How about that, huh? Woo. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, somebody on the other side of the world who's not quite as tickled 
<laughs> by this deal. Who? Uh, well, he's a hater. It's, uh, you know, this Bibi Netanyahu oh. cat. Uh, Is that the guy from Israel? Israel. <laughs> yeah, here's what he said. I'll have more to say uh, later today. Uh, about the impending Iran deal, but our concern, of course, is that the militant Islamic State of Iran uh, is going to receive uh, a sure path mm -hmm. to nuclear weapons. Many of the restrictions that were supposed to prevent it from getting there will be lifted. And in addition, Iran will get a jackpot, of a cash bonanza of hundreds of billions of dollars, which will enable it to wow. continue to pursue its aggression and terror in the region and in the world. This is uh, a bad mistake. <laughs> he he loves Look at that. This deal. He's loving it. He can barely contain that happiness. He could be doing a McDonald's commercial right now. I'm <laughs> loving it. it. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> right there. Right there. Down goes Frasia. Uh And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's sad. It's really That's sad. Very sad. That's a leader who is despondent because we've we've abandoned him. I don't know why he's we've despondent. I mean, the country that we just made a deal with that really isn't a deal. They've said they want it off the planet Earth. Yeah, they've said that they're going to wipe Repeatedly. Israel off the face of the earth, and not just uh, Ahmadinejad, the former president, but the supreme leader has said that multiple times oh, yeah. as well. Said it over and over and over again. By the way, Iranians are uh, declaring online that the deal is a victory oh, for them. What? Yeah. Uh, hashtag Iran wins peace in thousands of tweets and Instagram posts. Uh, I hope that good days are waiting for us, someone tweeted from Tehran. The Iranians showed that they are civilized and irrational people. No, nah, nah, nah. I don't know about that. EU foreign what? policy chief Frederica Mogherini declared the deal a sign of hope for the entire world. Oh, I bet. And uh, Packray de de declared it peace in our time, as did Neville Chamberlain back in, what, 1937 or 38. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. It's Pat and Stu with Jeffy, and uh, we got to tell you about some way uh -oh. to uh, get some preparation for yourself. Some way to be prepared for whatever eventuality, whether it's just a weather situation or something even bigger. Just in case. Just in case. And this is a really good way to start. If you have thought, oh, my gosh, it's overwhelming to get like a six-month supply or a year supply, start here with 72 hours. You can get a 72-hour kit. comes with all kinds of food, three days' worth, for $10 right now, and that includes shipping. So order one for you, one for your wife, your two kids, a family of four. You can get that right now by calling 800-274-3040. 800-274-3040. It's delicious. You've had this, right? I have, and one of the things it's that delicious. one of the things that is daunting and overwhelming was the idea of having you hear people say, "I've got a year, yeah. I've got ten years," or "I've right. got all this stock up," and you're like, "There's no way I'm ever going to go." Right, but you this can't. is a great start. This, oh my gosh, you feel so much better. You got I can't tell you yeah. having this it, when it stormed this winter. It was I, we didn't use it. Yeah, but having it, you I was like, not I have no it problem. That's great. Yeah, because you want to save it for something really critical. Yeah. Um, so call them at 800. It's My Patriot Supply, 800-274-3040. It's not just food. It's freedom 
and peace of mind. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. Go to freedom350.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number, 350.com, and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom350.com. Triple eight seven two seven back eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. Pat and Stu with Jeffy. Jeffy, you found uh, something well, really nice that's tweeting in the in, in the <laughs> spirit of this new deal in with the, Iran. As Iran was celebrating uh, their mm-hmm. social media. We talked about uh, in the first break. Well, uh, for most of uh, the morning today, "Death to America" has been trending. <laughs> oh, good on Twitter. Just another that's day friendly. here in Obama that's world, according friendly. to uh, Michelle Malkin. Good. And, um, good, good. You know, good. while we were talking to Brad Thor on the air, he pretty much tweeted, uh, "Israel should have bombed Iran." Well, it still was a friend in the White House. I mean, he told us that on the air. That yeah. was probably a good mood, but. Uh, and, and Netanyahu even mentioned uh, the death to America because he said, uh, while, while world powers forge Iran deal, Tehran shouts death to America and Israel. So you saw how happy he was uh, just a few minutes ago. He was thrilled. Oh, He was tickled. Oh. He loves this deal more than They anything. are partying. You know who else loves this deal is Tom Cotton. Senator Tom Cotton loves this deal. Uh, Marco Rubio loves this deal. These Republicans, I, I think, are, they've got something to run against now. Yes, they do. Hillary supports it. Uh, many of the, well, probably all the the GOP candidates, I would imagine, uh, oppose this deal. I can't imagine anybody saying, yeah, this is a really good thing for us. Because we got nothing out of it. And Israel got sold down the river. Yeah. I, how do you even say that you're an ally of Israel anymore? How do you say, and he not only does he say that, he says he's Israel's strongest supporter ever in the White House. <laughs> I, uh-huh. It's incomprehensible how these people say these things with a straight well, face. Well, I mean, for the most of this administration, right, I mean, we've found that what they say, the exact opposite is true. Yeah, you've said and that, that the whole time. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. and, that, and it's true. I, I'm finding it hard to find something where that's not true. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it really is. Yes. Really Every is. time they say something, the exact opposite is well, true. Well, and I'll give you a pretty good indication. If the Iranian people are celebrating this, how is that good for us? If the Russians are celebrating this, how is that good for us? Because These people are our enemies. We all understand that, right? Is this a, so think of this. Is this a win-win situation for everybody? Because I certainly don't see that. There's, there's no way. And when they think this is such a great deal... Yeah. It has to be bad for us. It has right. to be. It has to be. There are sworn enemies. Death to America continues to trend today after the deal. <laughs> they're not our friends. No, so if they not. love the deal. And I know it's the most volatile area on the planet right now. Uh, we've com- we're going to calm the seas mm-hmm. there. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's done a really good job of he that certainly so far, has. hasn't he? And, I mean, with Phenomenal. all the... Iran has supported terrorism around the globe oh, yeah. with these sanctions on them. You know, what pisses me off the most is how many IEDs that have killed and injured our soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan 
came directly from Iran. Yes. Most of them. Most of them supplied by Iran. This is a, it, it, it's pathetic what, what has happened. President Hassan Rouhani told Iranians in a live televised address that, quote, all our objectives, unquote, have been met by this nuclear deal that was agreed to by the world powers on Iran. All Iranian wow. objectives. So what did we get out of the deal? I'm sorry, what, what did we get? So the hard work that our Secretary of State did in 18 days of powering through this negotiation yeah. was him just saying, no, okay, <laughs> no, all right. Wait a minute, I, there's a chasm between me and you. No, all right, we just bridged that chasm, that's fine. Okay, you, you don't want us to inspect all your facilities, that's fine. Okay, we can inspect your sugar factory. All right, that's what we'll do. We'll inspect that. <laughs> that way we can say we're inspecting 24-7. 24 24-7 access at their sugar and olive oil, but it's the extra virgin oil, <laughs> olive oil facilities. I mean, it's just ridiculous what's it going really on. It really is ridiculous. So yeah. Hassan Rouhani said that in doing this deal... Uh, God has accepted the nation's prayers, and the accord would lift inhumane and tyrannical sanctions that have caused years of economic distress to the people and businesses there. Uh, Rouhani spoke just minutes after Obama's comments on the agreement uh, in a message posted on his Twitter account. Rouhani's got a Twitter account? <laughs> Everyone's got a Twitter account. I don't account. even have a Twitter Everybody's account. A, oh, well, you're not a world Hassan leader. Rouhani has a Twitter you're account, a and leader. I don't. Yeah, well... Okay, I'm going to have to do something about that now. At least Facebook. I'm going to have to join the so 21st you're mad that he's century got Twitter, on Twitter. You're going to open it a Facebook account. Pisses me that off. Yes, I, I got to join some social media. If Hassan <laughs> Rouhani, <laughs> in this nation from like 700 BC, has a Twitter account, he's probably verified too. <laughs> he probably is. So he spoke minutes after. Uh, uh, Obama on Iran Iranian t state television. In a message posted on his Twitter account before the deal was formally unveiled, <laughs> he said new horizons could open now that this unnecessary crisis the has been resolved. Unnecessary crisis? Mm -hmm. huh. There can now be a focus on shared challenges, he added, alluding to the Sunni Muslim extremists if the uh, Islamic State group uh, who from their base in Iraq and Syria are launching attacks on both Shiite and Western targets worldwide. Wow. Does this mean, I mean, is he alluding to the fact that they may actually join the war against ISIS? Because that, be, that would be something. We didn't even get the hostages no. back. We've got four American hostages in Iran right now. We're not making our this deal unless we get our hostages back. No, okay. All right, hey. I, okay. I, I just thought I'd ask, but uh, no problem. I didn't mean to... Anger anybody. I didn't mean to offend your sensibilities. I was just asking if it was possible, maybe. But never mind. We need unfettered <laughs> access. Oh, okay, okay no, not no, unfettered. No, no. I've had 24 7 access to your, well, any of your 7 Elevens that are open that time of night. We'll give you 20. You can have access to anything you want. Give us two weeks' notice. <laughs> just like, Come on. And it's not even anything you That's want. That's embarrassing. It, it, the whole thing is embarrassing. That's embarrassing. When you can't even get our people returned, and I think, what, two or three of them oh at least are pastors or ministers or something that have been abducted over there. Yes. If you can't even get them returned to us in the scope there's, of this arrangement. There's an issue. You're, Bigger than this. You're worse than I even imagined. 
Because I can't, I can't believe that just based on the PR of that. Right. Okay, you've been negotiating. You're the Secretary of State. You've been over there personally negotiating for 18 days. And it's supposed to be all this hardcore negotiation. And you really had breakthroughs. And you finally came to an arrangement. But you didn't include our people? I mean, really, this should have been just a throwaway getting our people back. Like three or four days ago. The deal was winding down. We I, knew we were going to come I to an agreement in the deal. Well, but I'm just saying, we, where we say, hey, John, and Kerry should have said, we're almost, you know, we're close to a deal with Iran. And to show their good faith, we got our prisoners back, too. With, you know, they, we got our people back. So here you go. Right. You know, and I'll let you know in two or three days with our deal. Right. Now, I Nothing. Don't, I don't know that we're holding any Iranians, but if we are anywhere in the Middle East or here, I, I would have even. Let them go. Yeah. Make a fair exchange. Four for four. I, we've got to have some Iranian somewhere, right? Oh, by no. the way, we'll throw in these guys that we found. <laughs> found them in Afghanistan selling heroin to fourth graders. And uh, you can have them back. I mean, wouldn't you at least? I, I'd even do that. Something. I'd yes. even do that. Because it's just, it's important to me to get our countrymen back. Well, and, and if a, I were left over there, I certainly wouldn't uh, feel very good about it today. It's important to our Secretary of State, too. Who's, you can who's tell it is. Been, uh, you can tell it is. given his service to this great nation for, <laughs> for 40, 40 years. 40 years. 40 years. 40 years. And started out uh, mm -hmm. in uniform in the military. Yeah, he did. He did. And, uh, in fact, uh, uh, I, I skinned my knee and got a purple heart. And then I got a hangnail. And I pulled it off a little too severely, and it went all the way down to the middle part of my uh, Ooh, finger that there. Part. That hurts like a pig. And so I got a purple heart. And uh, a few days later, I stubbed my toe on the bed getting up at 2 in the morning to go to the bathroom. I had to go wee-wee for a little while. And uh, I got a purple heart for my toe. Wow. I bruised it. Wow. So I got oh, a purple you barely, heart. barely walk when you bruise your toe <laughs> like that. I bet. Did you ever? Did you hear anything from anybody that was the stuff that went on over there or anything when you were in Vietnam? Uh, you know, I did. I heard about the atrocities of these pathetic American soldiers, Jeffy. Well, we've got to put you in front of Congress. Yes, you need yes. to testify on television Thank you. live. Thank you. I need to get it out there that we're hooking up uh, human genitalia to telephone wires. And turning up the power. Wow. That hurts. Like a <laughs> hate that one. <laughs> that hurts. Triple eight seven two seven back more patents. Stu, Jeffy coming up. <laughs> I, I, what else do you say? You can. It's just really unbelievable. It truly is. And the guy threw away his medals, by the way. You remember the right over the fence, over, over the fence in the White House. And then didn't he say that uh, they, they were fake? Yeah. I mean, and then they those were real ones. Pat and Stu, Jeffy today for uh, Stu, who's filling in for Glenn on the uh, show tonight. Meanwhile, uh, wow, was there a heated exchange on Fox last night on The Five? Kind of fun. Uh, Jesse Waters was on the panel. Eric Bowling. For some reason, they invited Geraldo in there. I, 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 why, why do you have Geraldo? First well, of all, why did Fox hire him? 
Drives me out of my that, mind. That, I mean, that's a side out question itself. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they got rid of what's-his-face. Right, they had the big uh, falling out yeah, with Beckel. So Bob now Beckel. they've got the chair to fill. Oh, so does Geraldo, like no, is he I, the I guy? Think, or? I think it's kind of rotated. I think they kind of rotated. I don't oh, think Geraldo's okay. the guy. Maybe they're trying out people. Is it always somebody liberal that they bring in to uh, replace Beckel? I mean, Beck, that was Beckel's chair. Yeah, so you know who else they could bring in that's really obnoxious is Alan Combs. That would be, right? I mean, that would be a logical choice yeah, probably to, would to be. put there. Geraldo works, too, on certain subjects. Like, on war, he's actually kind of conservative. Yeah, he is. On immigration, he, you know, come on. I mean, he's extreme. He's like an open borders guy. He's ridiculous. <laughs> he's ridiculous. Uh, and it got really heated. They were, they started, Jesse Waters started talking about, uh, uh, like, Donald Trump's chances for election and the things he said about illegal immigrants. And here's what unfolded with these guys. Well, it's not a quick high when people are being murdered in San Francisco. Well, and it's not, a quick, it's not a quick high when people are escaping the cheapest, prisons in Mexico and selling heroin and cocaine to, to our children. Of that family. It's not exploiting it. It is exactly You're exploiting, exploiting it by it downplaying it. to do with immigration. How, well, how does it not? But, but, but it's a Trump's sanctuary policy. You do, you've been doing Can we this stop for a second there? You, you, you stop for a sec. Because uh, Jesse Waters just destroyed Geraldo Rivera. Right there. He just destroyed him. Uh, Geraldo had nothing. Wait, about uh, 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 children. What? <laughs> what was that? Uh, uh, dogs, puppies. What? What do you even? It's like you turned into Jeffy for a second. Wait. Spoons. <laughs> he had no comeback. I mean, if he would have said spoons, just well, that would have won the argument. Right yeah, down. that's true. That's true. All right, let's see the rest of this thing. Children the of that family. It's not exploiting it. It is exactly You're exploiting it, it by downplaying nothing it. to do with immigration. How, well, how does it not? But, 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 it's but a Trump's sanctuary policy. You, you've been doing this on the air. You, you're, you're equating Trump's, Trump's comments with all immigrants. What he had said was, and we've talked about this quite a bit, is Trump's comments specifically pointed at illegals. I'm talking about the, the reaction to Trump. And you tell me that it's that it's not an immigration I th I response. I think uh, Jesse's right. I think that it is tapping into the into the it is the exploiting it is exploiting and sensationalizing from a guy who exploits and sen sensationalizes everything. <laughs> you Thank you. Me? Yes, you're lucky you're that you're my friend. Though. I'd knock you out right now. Well, that's we, absolute BS. Yes. That's later. absolute BS. That is absolute BS. Are you saying okay. that Trump is you're exploiting? I exploit and sensationalize. What do you do? Where do you get your stuff? Well, really I'm, yeah, I'm very right wing. You're, you're saying that, yeah. that Donald Trump is giving you your right. Okay, can you get out? Corrado's really All pissed. Right. I mean, really I, pissed. I, when you heard, he is I just heard it. genuinely really pissed. When you, when you see, see it, it it's, yeah. a, it's a different deal. He's really pissed. Yeah, he needs really to pissed. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah, first of all. Geraldo is the king of exploitation. Oh, come on. Geraldo is the king all of he's sensationalization. Ever been. Remember the chair-throwing incident? Remember all the crap he used to do? Remember the vault, the sensationalized vault that had one empty bottle in it? I mean, he sensationalizes well, not, every I mean, story he's ever his, done. The vault's not his fault. <laughs> the vault is his fault. I mean, you never know what could have been in there, Pat. No, you don't. Tell it could have been Al Capone himself. Tell me you weren't. Could have been alive inside there. And Tell we, me you weren't we tuned didn't know. in. No, I, I wasn't you weren't tuned, tuned in. in. I think I forgot that night. I don't think I watched that. My grandfather probably did. I was 
like six. Well, that's what I meant. You know, so. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> my, my great-grandfather may have been watching. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure not he sure. Wasn't. I'm not Adjusted sure. Adjusted the rabbit ears. And... <laughs> but Geraldo, you, you are sensationalizing. You're exploiting. What right-wing person is telling you what to say? Come on. Grow up. Oh, he was, uh, that was great. I didn't Grow think up. he was... Uh, Oh, he listening to it. Uh, I know. Listening audio, to it, you, you think, do get a little bit. It, could be not, it sounds insincere. When you see it, you see how really pissed. he was livid. And it wasn't at Jesse. He was no, pissed at he was Eric, pissed at man. bowling. Oh, they're going to go downtown. That was good. Th- yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> they're I going mean, to the mat. You just look at them, and you know Eric's going to crush the old man. Around those seventy. Look at look at Geraldo and and his expression. I yeah, mean, yeah. He, he throws his... Oh, he wants to hit him bad. Throws his note bad down. He wants to hit him. And fortunately, uh, <laughs> I, I guess we cut it off, I think, before she said it. But Kimberly said, control room, control room. She had kind of a nice line, though. She said, we're going to go to our commercial, which I think is from Bowflex. Meaning, you know, nice, time yeah. for a workout for these guys. <laughs> uh, so pretty good. I like the, are you talking to me? What are, are you, Robert De Niro? Now, yeah, I'm talking to you, yeah, dude. I'm looking right at you. You talking Geraldo. to me? Oh, hey, hey. Uh, all right. Geraldo's a piece of work. Uh, I used is. to see him. He's an interesting um, guy. I will tell he you. He is. I used to see him quite frequently. His mother, who I'm not sure if she's still alive or not, lived in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah. So he used to be in our neck of the woods when I was in Tampa for a lot, a lot of times, uh-huh. and he would, of course, always just stop in. Oh, he did. Yeah. You know, to the I studios? Yeah, I just, just thought I'd stop by. Yeah. I, why, why would you stop? just stop by, Harold, to promote yourself? <laughs> yeah, Since, hoping you'd throw him on the air. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, the, surprise. Yeah. Which we did, of yeah. course. I yeah, mean, yeah. he's Harold. You can talk to the man. He had some show on in, like, 90 or 91. I forget what it was called. Um, and, like, now you can ask or now that can be answered or now it can be heard. I don't know what it was. Didn't last very long, but to promote it, he was in Baltimore at this big expo, this media expo that uh, a whole bunch of celebrities came in for, Joan Rivers and all the talk show hosts and all that. So Glenn and I went out to his yacht uh, and um, interviewed him, and he was drunk, but really nice. Really nice. Yeah, he was all. I, he was actually. That's why I meant he was a piece of work because he a- is amazingly pleasant, he's the sensationalist in guy looking yeah. for everything, and he does. He thinks a lot of himself. Oh yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, uh, he does. He's very much aware of himself. Uh huh. But in 1990, but he was super but, pleasant yeah. to us. Yeah, I mean, he was always. He, he was yes. a nice guy. Yes. I, I can't stand him because of his politics, but he he was a, a decent guy. Yes. To us. Uh, sanctuary cities. Have freed, by the way, this is really good news, over 8,000 illegal offenders. Think of that. The in center, eight months. In eight, eight months. months. Not thousands in, all oh, for the last eight years. <laughs> right, right. Eight months. The Center for Immigration <laughs> Studies released a new study revealing that in eight months, mm-hmm. the 276 sanctuary cities have released 8,000. So and those eight thousand were illegals facing charges mm-hmm. with criminal records, and some of them with federal. But, hold they're, but they're not deported. Why? Because they're in a sanctuary city right. where they don't deport you. So that's okay if you if you break the law. There. You make it to Houston. You make it to Dallas. You make it to San Francisco. You make it to uh, I think well, two hundred seventy-six cities. Two hundred seventy-six. That's a lot that's of a cities. Lot. And almost all major cities are sanctuary cities. So. You know, think about it. We just don't, we don't, we don't 
follow the laws that we currently have on the books, oh. how can we possibly fix this situation? And we're talking about new laws, and we're talking about comprehensive reform and all that kind of nonsense. Enforce the laws we have on the uh, books. That, that, almost that goes makes a long sense. way. Yeah, it almost does. Not quite. Uh, and not to anybody in Washington. <laughs> but for some reason, to my illogical mind, it makes a lot of sense. Eight thousand of them it, it's unbelievable they they faced a, t a total of 7500 new charges combined wow. meanwhile uh chris cuomo uh on yesterday saying more stupid stuff this guy oh. this guy he's in the douche hall of fame for a reason you know yes, he's, he in, he's a proud member of the douche hall of fame for a reason and here's here's one of them he does wear the banner well yeah he does douche hall of fame we know these problems exist. It's how do we solve them? Him saying I'm going to charge people who come illegally, $100,000. You think that's a real solution? No, but what I'll tell you what he did do. He also opened up the eyes to many Americans that didn't even know that sanctuaries existed. What sanctuaries? These sanctuaries on the border that allow illegals to stay. And if, in fact, that they end up getting caught, they cannot You're talking about sanctuary them. cities that yes, exist all over the country? That's, that's a misnomer. Those are cities that are in disputes with ICE about how you deal with people that they're holding. They're part of the United States. Sued. You can't be in dispute with the federal government. But they're not safe havens the way you're describing They're most yes, certainly they are, are safe yeah. havens. They are not. It's yes, about they how they They will not turn process. them over, Chris. They will not turn them they over. They will. There's a legal process. There's a whole reason they got to this. There have been more people true. deported in the last six years than we'd had in the previous decade. There were more people coming across the border than there were in no, the past decade. No, there are fewer. I don't believe oh, that. That's and that's numbers. unfortunately you know what's happening that, is the numbers get distorted by our government. Oh, yeah. and by, or by board, Trump. From, well, I don't know about Trump. What, the, the ratio of how many bad people to how many people are seeking a better life come across? I don't think he ever stated any, any specific no, numbers. I think no, what he, he was making was a general statement. And it was wrong. And you I'm haven't not, admitted that yet. I, and I will not. Wow. Nice. There's a guy who stuck to his guns. Yes, he did. Under heavy fire from Chris Cuomo, who is, is wrong so often. <laughs> you talk about He's sanctuary so... cities that, yeah. that presumed uh -huh. across the country. Okay. Those are just those are a misnomer, Pat. That's a misnomer. Those are cities that are in dispute with how to with ICE. Now, the fact that they're not deporting anybody, that's just because it's a process problem. No. Right, they're in dispute. Yeah. And they've been in dispute for about thirty years. Yeah. So, and they've declared themselves. Houston, when I was there, declared themselves a sanctuary city. The the city council voted on whether to continue that policy. I think Dallas, around that same time, also reaffirmed their sanctuary yeah, city sanctuary. status. The DFW has been a. Yeah. I think Fort Worth. Too. Oh, Fort Worth. Dallas, Fort Worth is a sanctuary city and has been for a long time. So, you know, are we deporting people? Yeah, when we find them in other places or when we find them along the border. Sometimes we deport them. Sometimes we don't. Often we don't. I mean, there is something like uh, two million people, two, two to three million people that cross the border every year illegally. We catch about a third of them. We can't sustain that. Yeah, you can't. As a country. You can't. And uh, I, That's, uh, we've been talking about this since we, were, you know, since we first started in talk radio and, and off the air for long before that. And nobody will listen. I mean, that's nothing. Nobody, it's, it is unsustainable. Remember when they used to make it a big deal about uh, uh, Cubans floating to America yeah. and getting to land? Yeah. You know, if you touch land, th then you're here. Right. That's it. I mean, and that was what five to ten people on a on a on a raft. Right. Not two to three million. That, no. Oh my gosh! I mean, you can't even compare the Cuban problem to the problem. But I'm just saying that was such Mexican a big border. deal, and I know. this is nothing. This I know. 
<laughs> I know it. <laughs> oh, it's my amazing. God. Triple eight seven two seven back. More patents do coming up in a second. They're in dispute. I love that. It's just a dispute. That's a misnomer. Sanctuary City, that's a misnomer. That's a misnomer. <laughs> you just have to fill up to this culture. Oh, it really does. Stew with Jeffy, triple eight seven two seven. Back. This is kind of interesting. Uh, uh, Mexican drug cartel kingpin uh, uh, El Chapo, El Chapo, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, escaped from prison and then apparently tweeted out something from his son's account. Well, yeah, it, the Twitter account uh, belongs to the drug lord, his son. I guess it's run by his son, and it, he, uh, okay. I guess, tweeted something to Donald Trump. If you keep Pissing me off, I'm going to make you eat your words, you effing blonde, blonde milk, milk drinker. Red somethinger? Yeah. I, I've never no, heard of a milk knitter. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of that. Off the air, I'll <laughs> say what new, it is. That's, that's a new word for me. Uh, that's really? interesting, yeah. It's a good word. Yeah, good word. <laughs> now, it's said to be run by his son, of course. Now, the threatening matches Trump said, you know, hey, it's from the cartel leader. Uh, we will look into it. We'll turn it into the FBI. Mm -hmm. You know, so we'll see if it's actually him or not. I don't know. It's kind of funny that he has a Twitter account, though, Pat. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it is. And I, it's run by his son. Maybe again, your son could run your Twitter account. All right. Again, I don't have a Twitter account. And both the leader of Iran, <laughs> son Rouhani, and Joaquin Guzman both have Twitter accounts, and I do not. That's, now, both of those are, do are something pretty about powerful that. men. Well, they are, but I wouldn't expect them to have Twitter accounts. <laughs> <laughs> I really would not. Hey, you wouldn't expect the head uh, of the cartel to have one. No, you really reason. wouldn't. I, I don't know why. Although that they run that, me, they run that stinking country. Uh, the the drug cartels are so incredibly powerful. I think we mentioned yesterday or sometime this week that. It's estimated the Sanoa cartel, which Guzman heads, and the Gulf cartel both bring in about a billion dollars a month, oh around $12 billion a year. So they yeah, employ the, the a lot of people. The, the jobs and opportunities, the goods and services they provide. Yeah, yeah. They're also good at uh, convincing you to work for them. They employ a lot of people. <laughs> the uh, CIA, a long time ago, probably 20 years ago, sent down some commandos down there to train and they uh, they trained these 75 men to be special forces for them in the fight nice. against the drug cartels. Now, this was before it got way out of control. Uh, and they turned all 75 of them. And then those 75 became 750. <laughs> what are you pulling down? They before you pull the trigger, what are you pulling down a year? Wait. <laughs> Wait, don't uh -huh. pull the trigger. You can, I'll, look, you can still shoot me if you want in just a second. But what are you pulling down a year? Because if you turn around, there's a pallet of cash on it you can have right now. <laughs> you know that goes on. I mean, it, it, it's, in Mexico, where, oh my gosh. where the lifestyle is not exactly fabulous for most people, it's, it's a tough living and you're not making a lot of money. 
to present them with more money than they ever oh. believed they'd possibly make in a, in a lifetime. And are you going to say no? No, they say yes. They say yes. They I sent, think not. They sent 5,000 troops. This was back in the uh, mid-2000s, 2005, 6, 7, somewhere in there. They sent 5,000 troops from Mexico City to northern Mexico to deal with the cartels. What it was really, I mean, they were killing thousands of people. It was just ridiculous. In some of the even smaller cities had, uh, had death counts bigger than New York City did. And so they sent, oh, cool. the, they sent 5,000 troops up there to try to deal with it. 90% of them were taken over, by, were taken over <laughs> to the cartel. That's not funny. 90% of them wound up with the cartels. Look, you guys are good soldiers. Oh, man. I'll make it easy on you. Just yeah. Go, you just watch this hill right here. And, uh, and I'll give you an extra. Are you going to say no? A couple of paces. Really? I mean, let's, you know, the, El Chapo just broke out of prison with a tunnel that was built by civil engineers. Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, his fingernails didn't get dirty building this tunnel. Oh, no. That's no, it wasn't, right. I mean, he didn't bend spoons to dig this tunnel under the prison a mile long. No, it was a sophisticated tunnel. Come on. For sure. I mean, they brought in the, they brought in the Army Corps of Engineers to build this tunnel for him. And, you, I mean, who says no to him? Um, mm. Very few people on Earth. Mm -hmm. Very few people. I mean, he, obviously he gets told no because he went to prison. Right, he's gone to prison a couple of times, and uh, we wanted him here in the states bad the last time because we knew uh, Army Corps of Engineers were going to let him out of this one, and we, you know, of course, Mexico said no, no, no. He's not going to break out of this prison, not this time. Right, and he did Wrong. anyway. I mean, these guys are really good at what they do. Uh, yeah, I don't think we understand how good they are. Well, I think we. I think well, a lot. I think we really do. I mean, some of us do, but a lot don't. And I mean, the U.S. government didn't when they sent the seventy-five. Uh, when they sent the CIA down to train those seventy-five commandos, who then became Los Zetas, and uh, and now uh, are some of the most feared terrorist, ruthless killers. Oh yeah, I mean that's in what, the cartel. Yeah, I mean that's what uh, you know. Look, when you say no, you might walk away. And live, maybe. Yeah, but I doubt it. Maybe. I doubt it. But uh, it's very doubtful. Yeah. Very doubtful. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Also, we reported on this uh, UC Riverside professor, Andrea Smith, who's now doubling down and insisting that her Cherokee identity is real. She doesn't care that there's any lack of evidence. She doesn't care that there's not a single Indian in her ancestry. <laughs> <laughs> She's still Indian, by That's golly. That's fantastic. Isn't that great? She's repeatedly claimed Cherokee heritage and allowed herself to be characterized <laughs> as the top Cherokee, Cherokee intellectual. intellectual. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love this story. She says, I have always been... And will always be Cherokee. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, pumpkin. <laughs> Me too. That's right. She <laughs> because just, I'm telling you, I'm proud. You to identify, live, and I'm proud to die. The Cherokee. You bet. You know what they did to my people? <laughs> <laughs> I do. They took the I whole uh, Indian nation. They do. And they they locked us on this reservation. I mean, they took away our our way of life. The tomahawk. And the bow and knife. Bastards. <sighs> All the beads we made by hand. <laughs> you know where those are made nowadays? Japan. Uh, Japan. Or probably China. Taiwan. You know, uh, Asia. Yeah, but originally, when, when you first originally, started identifying yeah, as Japan. a Cherokee. Yeah, definitely okay. Japan. <laughs>
uh, took away our native tongue, and they taught their damn English to our young, too. That pissed me off. Tell you that right now. Pat and Stu with Jeffy again today. Uh, Stu fills in for uh, Glenn on the TV program. Uh, Barack Obama apparently on Saturday, this is something I missed. Um, Saturday, a weekly address. That yeah. he, he does this address, and usually it's ignored. And, uh, Remember when ever all the stations used to have to carry yeah. the presidential address? Yeah. I mean, we used to have to clear that thing every week. We also time. used to have to play things like Powerline on Sundays. And do you remember Powerline? Powerline. Yeah, came in. Came in on an album, you had to play Powerline. And it was some, it was kind of sort of a mix of church and sort of contemporary right. Christian music. And <laughs> I don't remember Powerline. Then you'd play the national anthem before you signed off at midnight. I remember, <clears> remember those days? Yes, I do. Good times. You don't get those days back. Don't get back. those days back, no, I hope. Uh, but uh, on his weekly address, which now you don't have to carry at least, and, and that's nice. But uh, well, it's his YouTube address. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, he called for the uh, for equality in neighborhoods and housing, equality yes. in neighborhoods and housing. They announced the hell does that. They mean? announced this on Wednesday. I got to go find this sheet. I talked about what it on my Saturday mean? radio show, but he we can listen to him tell us about it, and then I'll go into a little bit of detail. Uh, let's uh, let's take frightening. a look at what he said because this is unbelievable to me. Just a few weeks ago, the Supreme Court ruled that policies segregating minorities in poor neighborhoods, even unintentionally or against the law. The court recognized what, what many people know to be true from their own lives. What's that? That too often where people live determines what opportunities they have in life. In some cities, kids living just blocks apart lead incredibly different lives. Can't have that. They go nope. to different schools, oh, play no. in different parks. Oh, not different shop parks. In different yeah, stores. Uh, different stores? Different oh, we can't have that. We've all got to be in the, the same place. the quality of those schools uh -huh. and the safety of those parks and right. streets Dangerous. are far from equal. Far from equal. Which means far. those kids aren't getting an equal shot in life. No, it doesn't. No, it's set up the false premise once again. Always. we hold dear as Americans. <laughs> in this country, that is unbelievable. of all countries, in this country person's zip code shouldn't decide their destiny. We don't guarantee premise. equal outcomes, but we do strive to guarantee no. an equal shot at opportunity and in they every have neighborhood for every American. Now, the Fair Housing Act also mm. says wow. that this isn't the responsibility of a landlord alone. Local governments wow. have a role to play, too. Yep. That's why this week my administration announced that we'll make it easier for communities to implement this law. These actions won't make every community oh, perfect. Good. That's he's something so we all have good. to strive for in our own lives. But they will help make but our community stronger, and more vibrant. It so much. And help keep this a country where kids from every background help. can grow up knowing that no matter that. who you are, what you look like, or where you live, uh -huh. you can write your own story. Really? Oh man, he is. He's, <laughs> he knows how to work this communist jelly. Yes, he knows he does. how to do it. He really does. As he is propagating a communist theory here, equal housing, he throws in the capitalist the rugged individualism theory that 
We, yes, we we guarantee you a chance. We don't guarantee equal outcomes. Just because I live in a house that's a $30 million home, which I don't, obviously, and you live in a two-room shanty that cost you uh, $3,000. How come you tell people what I live in and then you say <laughs> you give up, you don't tell people what you actually live in? Well, it's in. somewhere between your shanty and the $30 million home. Okay. Okay, so just know that. Mm. But just because that... I, 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 it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we're going to end up in the same place but he mixes the two ideologies together in a brilliant way saying that doesn't mean we guarantee equal outcomes but that's exactly what he's trying to right. do my understanding that's exactly what he's trying to do my understanding is is that they're going to collect this data from the cities of who lives where and housing and what neighborhoods are where Mm-hmm. And that's going to probably take a couple of years, anyway, to collect the data. I mean, you know how good. And by then, hopefully, data. we'll have a Republican president, and they'll shut this crap down. <laughs> you are so cute. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. You okay? are so. I'm still going to be naive enough like to believe it. I have to. I have to hold on to that because otherwise, we are done here. <laughs> Listen to this equal housing crap. Look, he sets up the false premise that if I pl- if if you play in a separate neighborhood from my kids, if your kids are in a different park right then my kids are playing and they don't have the same shot right. shut up <laughs> right that is a false premise and it's bull crap so my belief is, is what they do is they get all the information on your neighborhoods now they go back to the cities and they say okay. they're going to map everything so you'll have it out you'll be able to, you'll be able to see it mm-hmm. yeah, you'll be able to see the diverse neighborhoods and the not so diverse neighborhoods. The neighborhoods where only whiteies live. Is that right? And then you'll be able to say, you know what? Um, I demand to live in the whitey neighborhood. This neighborhood needs to be more diverse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you want some of that federal money that you've been getting the last 50 years, um, you're going to have to become more diverse. So you're going to have to build some kind of complex or let some people move into these neighborhoods. Or you're not going to get any money from us. Now, so what you're going to end up having mm-hmm. is either you're going to have that, mm-hmm. you're going to have you know apartment buildings in higher, uh, expensive home you're neighborhoods. You're going to have apartment complexes next to million dollar homes. Or you're going to have cities that say no, and I'm they not won't get take federal the money. government money. Mm-hmm. This is our neighborhood. But then you're going to have people log on to the internet and see mm-hmm. the big red dot mm-hmm. in Pat Gray's neighborhood, the neighborhood that said no. Mm-hmm. You hate her. Mm-hmm. That's the neighborhood that hates. And it discriminates. And then they'll be sued. And then they'll be forced into building uh, <laughs> yeah. high-density homes in their neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, it's so amazing. If you're going to have a duplex next to a $5 million home, I'm sorry. That's, that's just a scenario. I, I did, there's no reason for it. Let's just stop it. We know, we know we're going to stop the communist nonsense in this country. There is no guarantee of this stuff. It's coming, man. You do not have the right to live in whatever neighborhood you want unless you earn that right and you can and you can and you can and whether you play in that park or that park over there uh, look at all the minorities who have grown up in horrible circumstances and have risen chris garner chris gardner uh from the uh what's what's the movie called with chris gardner um you know where he he was a stockbroker and he was on the street he was living on the street with his son he was homeless oh yeah 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 yeah. and then he the pursuit of happiness, yeah, with uh, Will Smith, and and then Chris Gardner has that uh, cameo at the end where he walks by Will Smith, the actual Chris Gardner, 
The guy became a multimillionaire. He grew up in horrible circumstances. He had terrible disadvantages. That would not have happened he overcame had them. we helped him and let him move into a better neighborhood. <laughs> that though. wouldn't have instead happened. Of, instead it, of on the street. It wouldn't have happened. You're, you're exactly right. It wouldn't <laughs> happen. Uh, wow, this is it, amazing. It is really amazing. He's trying to force it, the poor. Truth Revolt says he's trying to force the poor into wealthier communities. Uh, and he's citing the Sur Supreme Court ruling to do it. It's just, it's unbelievable. The Fair Housing Act allows landlords and local governments to share in the responsibility to achieve more balanced communities. The federal government has been collecting data, as you said, Jeffy, on housing and neighborhood conditions. They're going to use that information to pinpoint the areas that need the most help. Uh, we don't want your help. We really, really, really don't. I'm telling you that. And, of course, the uh, HUD mm. uh, secretary, uh, Julian Castro mm. uh, said, I believe that it's historic. And there this is you the most go. serious effort that HUD has ever undertaken. To there do is that. another key. Julian Castro, a virtual communist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but he's going to be in charge of this yep. and make sure that it works right. Wow. Former mayor of San Antonio, and he was plucked out of San Antonio because he's this young, up-and-coming, good-looking uh, yeah. socialist Hispanic, who Obama wants in this key position for this very yeah, reason. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Have they gotten a lot now look, done? HUD's going to, like I said, but according, just remember that what uh, he's, he's HUD's going to compile this data mm -hmm. into that central database. Yes, they are. Just like I said, where anyone will be able to look at it. Mm -hmm. And you'll be able to see what kind of changes need to happen in your community. And then HUD is going to support those communities, working to integrate, and federal dollars, oh, of course, not, will be on the line. But let me tell you something. They're so not guaranteeing exactly. equal outcomes. <laughs> no. The president, the president said that. They're, if he said it, he must have meant it. They're not guaranteeing equal outcomes, because that's communism, and that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Even though, uh, as you know, he was raised by communists. I mean... <laughs> It's, <laughs> it's really unbelievable, and I don't know how to stop that. I really don't know how to stop. Uh, who? How do you? How do you really stop that? Um, I'm not. Those, I'm not sure. Really? I mean, I'm, really? How do you? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I it's, guess. I guess if you know Ted Cruz gets in office and he says, uh, uh, "Hit the road, Julian, and shut down Hood." Mm -hmm. I mean, is that going to happen? Mm -hmm. I doubt it. Maybe no, Julian not. hits the road, but they're not going to shut down Hood. Well, uh, I, Business Insider did a, uh, a study on the difference between uh, income inequality and, I'm sure, housing inequality in the red states and blue states. Recent studies by Economic Innovation Group and the Urban Institute have shown what states and cities are in most economic distress and what, sta what cities uh, have the most inequality between neighborhoods. Uh, in the analysis, the Washington Post found that the bulk of cities with the biggest inequalities were located in red states, of course, while the majority of the most distressed cities were in blue states, naturally. Distressed cities. Inequality was calculated by determining neighborhood advantage score based on household income, home ownership rates, housing values, uh, wow. college attainment, and then comparing the top 10% of the census tracts to the bottom 10% across the U.S. Now, the economic distress is determined by examining seven variables in over 25,000 zip codes. Educational attainment, mm -hmm. housing vacancy rates, unemployment rates, poverty levels, median income ratios, 
percent changes in, in, on, in employment and percent changes in establishments. So that's, I mean, that's all they're doing. They're just de- mm-hmm. taking, but you know what? Mm-hmm. Even if you shut this down, think about this now. In the next two years, that's a lot of information. Oh, yeah. And some of it has nothing to do with inequality anyway. I mean, listen to some of this, some of the input they're using uh, to determine what's distressed and what isn't. Educational attainment. Okay, right. I graduated from high school. I didn't go to college. Um, but I make, I make a pretty good wage. So that doesn't, what does that mean? I mean, you wouldn't think that my educational uh, background would lead to the income that I have. Right. Well, they would. They would lead you to believe. They that, would lead you to that believe that I'm educational distressed background. because I only right. have a high school education. Correct. So that's not accurate. Housing vacancy rates. I'm not sure what that. What does that have to do with anything? Uh, unemployment rates. Yeah, that can tell you something. Well, they'll say housing vacancy rates means that nobody could afford to live there. Right. It was Percent too change in establishments. What does that mean? Percent change in establishments. I, I don't even know what that means. Uh, and how new... that fits into inequality. New restaurant, well, like... In, like uh, in, if a restaurant changes over to a bowling alley? No, I would say that in uh, in an area just north mm-hmm. of the Dallas-Fort Worth, it's in Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's a lot of growth. A lot of growth. New restaurants, mm-hmm. new stores. That's almost too much growth. And there's yeah, a lot of people maybe. that can't afford to be in that growth area that should be able to be in that growth area because they should be able to play in that park, in that neighborhood, and eat at those restaurants. Yes. Now, I'm not saying we need to guarantee equal income, uh, outcomes, though, because that's communism. That's not what I'm saying at all. Well, how are they going <laughs> to... Well, I'd like to know where they're going to pay to eat at those restaurants uh, and to live at those houses. So uh, that's what they're saying, those percentage. If, if in, in the $30 million neighborhood, if, you have, if there's 10 homes and three of them are empty... Mm-hmm. Right, three of them are for sale. That's thirty percent, and I, I know I'm Jeffy math. I got it, but I'm just trying to take a shot at what what they're thinking. So they need to drop those prices mm-hmm. and make it available to people who can afford who can afford it. Right, three out of thirty would probably be you know ten percent, but yeah. But I, I know what you're trying to say. Um, but what yes, did I say? you said thirty percent. Oh yeah, ten percent. Whatever, same <laughs> yeah, thing. Whatever, same, same thing. Same thing. It's eh, a difference of twenty percent. No big deal. Whatever. But based on all this criteria. It, will it surprise you to know that the city with the highest inequality rate is Dallas, Texas? I knew what it. What a surprise they came I up with Dallas. It. The most inequality is right here in evil Texas. I knew it. Jeez. Uh, According to the Post, these are the top ten cities with the population above 400,000 that have the biggest economic disparity. Wow. Because they compared the top 10%. And in Dallas, you're talking about really rich people. In yes. Dallas, we have real wealth here. We've got a lot of billionaires. We've got a lot of millionaires. They made a lot of money in energy, in oil. You know, there there are rich people here. And then on the other on the other hand, you're going to have immigrants, or, uh, sometimes illegals, and they're going to the bottom ten percent are going to make very little. So, and so that, those those people that, that aren't the really rich, they would be here because this is a sanctuary area. Ah, uh, correct. Yes, huh. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Huh. Uh, but these are the these are the ones with the biggest economic disparity: Dallas, Austin, both both from Evil, Texas; Fresno, though California; uh, Phoenix, Omaha, Kansas City; Fort Worth, that way, Memphis, Indianapolis, and Louisville. So three from Texas. Among the ten most distressed large cities, though six are in blue states: Fresno, Las Vegas, Chicago, Milwaukee, Baltimore, and Detroit. Four are in red states: Tucson, Memphis, 
Houston and Atlanta, but I would point out that uh, I think all four of those cities, uh, even in even though they're in red states, they're run by uh, Democrats. Yes. Uh, the cities themselves run by Democrats, just like Dallas. Isn't Dallas mayor? Dallas mayor is um, is a Democrat. I think so. Is that right? Anybody know? I, I'm pretty sure the Dallas mayor is a Democrat. The, I know the Houston mayor is a Democrat, and she's also uh, uh, an open, outed lesbian. Yeah. Um, so just because you're in a red state doesn't mean you're run by Republicans in, in these uh, large cities. Meanwhile, uh, another actual avowed socialist, Bernie Sanders, says redistribution is more important than growth. And the Washington Post approves of that. They posted an approving piece uh, today about what presidential candidate Bernie Sanders is willing to sacrifice to achieve a more equal society. Uh, our economic goals have to be redistributing a significant amount of wealth back from the top 1%. Boy, this guy's there unabashed. He is unabashed in his socialist policies. Unchecked growth, especially when 99% of all new income goes to the top 1%, is absurd. Who said 99% of all new income goes to the top 1%? I don't believe that. <laughs> oh, I don't know that. I don't believe that. He said where we've got to move is not growth for the sake of growth, but we've got to move to a society that proves a high quality of life for all of our people. <laughs> it sounds like Hugo Chavez. It sounds like uh, uh, Salvador Allende. What's that guy's name? Uh, in Chile, it sounds like all of these socialists, all of these extreme, hardcore, borderline commies uh, that we've heard from for the last 50 years. And people are eating it up, almost including like, the Washington sounds Post. Sounds like the Pope. And the <laughs> also, also kind of sounds like the Pope. There's a little bit of the Pope in there. Yeah. Oh, man. 888 back. More patents do with Jeffy uh, coming up. Salvador Allende. And the Dallas mayor is a Republican, but Fort Worth, or I mean, is a Democrat, Democrat but the Fort so. Worth, but she's a Republican. Really? Fort Worth is a Republican. Nice. Eight seven two seven back. It's Pat and Stu with Jeffy today. Uh, Stu is again filling in for uh, Glenn tonight. Uh, meanwhile, it's Bastille Day. I forgot all about it. Yeah. Oh, how could you? I'm so Bastille mad at myself. Day. Wow. So mad at myself because I mm. normally I take the day off. Mm -hmm. Have the tree up by now. We get, I would think. Yes. For a couple of we weeks. Gather, least, we right? gather the family around. Sure. Sure, but not today, huh? Wow. Like this, this year has gone by oh, so Oh, boy. And who, who would have it thought? It seems it's... like it was just Bastille Day yesterday. You know, it seems like in, in March we were just saying 238 shopping days left before Bastille Day. And <laughs> now it's here already. Right? Wow, it just went by so quickly. Uh, but here are some reasons maybe not to celebrate. Maybe oh. it's okay uh, that you're not celebrating Bastille Day. Good. Bastille Day! <laughs> Do you even know what that means? 
You probably think of the beginning of the French Revolution. Freedom versus tyranny. Honor and fraternity. Ben and Jerry's. Okay, maybe not that last one. I do not think it means what you think it means. Let me explain. May 1789, King Louis XVI called together the Estates General, an assembly of clergy, nobles, and commoners to discuss solutions to the country's financial crisis. The whole time, the commoners were bullied and left out, so they said, fine, we'll just start our own political body. And so the National Assembly was born. King Louis declared this new political body legitimate. The commoners finally joined the cool kids and everyone was happy. Uh, uh, no, actually, the commoners went completely psycho. Rumors of war spread, the citizens grew fearful, and things went from bad to sacre bleu. Thousands of French stormed the infamous prison fortress, the Bastille, after it had already surrendered. Murdered the prison commander, a number of guards, and a city official. More French stormed the Tuileries Palace and murdered 600 Swiss guards protecting the royal family. The September massacres begin, killing tens of thousands of traitors to the revolution. King Louis XVI is executed. Marie Antoinette, Queen of France, is put to death. Maximilien Robespierre, leader of the Reign of Terror, is given the National Razor. In its short history, the French Revolution saw nearly 600,000 French citizens kill each other. So, uh, this is what Bastille Day commemorates? Perhaps the people should have slowed down and taken a moment to just think before they acted. Instead, everyone lost their heads. Uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's a fun wow. day, huh? That's a fun day. Uh, so It makes me rethink yeah. celebrating all those years. Right, right, yeah. Like I was celebrating... Horrific acts and you, yes, six, six, can you believe six hundred thousand? Pretty amazing. Back in the seventeen nineties, that's a lot of people to kill. Wow. <laughs> yes, it is. And the first, uh, the Bastille, the prison. So we brought now they brought uh, the Mexican uh, leader and his wife to celebrate uh, to, in, in, Mex France. in France. Yeah, in France they brought they brought the Mexi Mexico's leader. And his wife to France to yes, celebrate the Steel Day. To, yeah, they're together there with the leaders. I'm looking at their picture now. Hmm. Oh, it's first of all, she's not bad looking as uh, a the first lady wife. of Mexico. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm mm -hmm. fairly Mex attractive. Mexico is starting to grow on me as, as a country. <laughs> okay, good. And it's also well, they're there talking about uh, storming uh, the prisons and stuff. And El Chapo just. Got free, so I mean, well, let's travel the world. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, let's go to France and celebrate Bastille Day. Party. Come on, baby. I don't even worry about Get it. Get out of here. Meanwhile, Vox, uh, Vox's Dylan Matthews is talking about three reasons why, you know, okay, the, we just told you about the French and their revolution. He's giving us three reasons the American Revolution was a mistake. Yeah, he was. This is amazing. It really is amazing. This is freaking amazing. Uh, American independence in 1776 was a monumental, a monumental mistake. We should be mourning the fact that we left the United Kingdom, not cheering it. We obviously can't be entirely sure how America would have fared if it had stayed in the British Empire longer, perhaps gaining independence a century or so later along with Canada. But according to uh, Dylan Matthews, I'm reasonably confident a world in which the revolution never happened would be better than the one we live in now. For three main reasons. Oh, Slavery would have been abolished earlier. American Indians would have faced rampant persecution, but not the outright ethnic cleansing after Andrew Jackson and other American leaders. You were just saying about that. Perpetrated. You were yeah, just saying well, about that. Well, they took our whole the Indian Reminding nation, us of that. Put us on the reservation and stuff. Right? And America would have a parliamentary system of government that makes policymaking easier 
and lessens the risk of democratic collapse. Um, hmm. democratic we're the only, uh, we're the only nation on earth with a hundreds of years standing constitution. We're the only country on earth whose constitution hasn't changed you sure about that? at least five times in the last 239 sure years. Positive on that. We're the only nation on earth to, uh, to remain this stable for this long and grow this much. Again, are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm positive about that. Now, abolition did happen in Britain before it happened here. We got rid of, we got rid of the actual slave trade. Uh, we actually signed the legislation before the British, but they enacted it, I think, shortly before us. But it was right around the same time for us and right. Britain. Now, obviously, it took another, you know, 50 years before we finally had the war that eradicated it. Um, but I would guess, even if we had been a, a, a British uh, colony at the time, the South would have been pretty pissed off at the British telling them, sorry, slavery's over in 1808. Oh, yeah. That would not have happened. I mean, this guy is assuming way too stinking much, thinking the South would just say, okay. Oh. And acquiesce to that. There's, I, I mean, who knows what kind of fractionalized country you would then have? Who oh, knows? Who knows what would have happened? Uh, but it wouldn't have been good. Abolition in, in uh, most of the British Empire occurred in 1834 completely, actually, following the passage of the Slavery Abolition Act. That left out India, but slavery was banned there, too, in 1843. So he's, get, he's showing us right. that one of their other colonies, India, didn't abolish it when they did. And it lasted longer. In England itself, slavery was illegal, uh, at least going back to 1772, decades early. No, that is not true. Uh, Britain ended slavery. I, I'm going to look this up because <laughs> they stopped the slave trade at almost exactly the same time we did. Almost exactly. It was right around 1807, 1808. So I don't know what he's talking about here, that slavery was illegal in 1772 in Britain. Amazing Grace hadn't even been written then, right? That, John Wilberforce hadn't even stepped up yet. Uh, I don't know where he's getting this information. Uh, starting with the proclamation of 1763, the British colony, colonial government placed firm limits on westward settlement in the United States. It wasn't motivated by altruistic uh, desires to keep American Indians from being subjugated or anything. It just wanted to avoid border conflicts. But all the same, the policy enraged American settlers who were appalled that the British would seem to side with Indians over white men. The British government remained willing to uh, conceive of Native Americans as subjects of the crown, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he continues uh, to make this point. What a, what a moron. Why? Why do people like this continue to live in America? And sponge off this great nation when they, when they dislike they themselves. They hate it. They hate when it they so hate much. It. They, they I, mean, want I, I don't get it. Well, I don't get because it. they couldn't do what they do here anywhere else in the world. It's for sure. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's for sure. and, and so they just continue to do it here and hate us and, and think that, oh, I, I, I would be able to hate like that anywhere. ISIS <laughs> yeah. would let me say that. <laughs> ISIS would for sure love let me love try. who I want to love uh -huh. and eat what I want to eat and go where I want to go whenever I want. Uh, I would really like them to give that a try. 888-727. Back more Pat and Stu's on the way. Well, Pat, they, they wouldn't.
No, that's right. Yeah. But it's so I'd you, like them to, you, like them to like experience them to it. You know what I mean? I'd like them to experience they, it. They just would. to make sure. Oh. Because okay. maybe we'd be surprised. Is that possible? <laughs> Seven two seven back. Uh, it's Pat and Stu with uh, Jeffy today. I'm not sure I understand this next story for mental floss. Uh, real disguises of the world's best undercover reporter. Hmm. I don't know Ghanaian super sleuth reporter Anis Anis. What? Do you? Anis Anis? Anis Anis. I'm uh, not familiar. <laughs> Are you? Oh, Anis Anis. And I go <laughs> way back. <clears throat> well, not very many people can apparently tell you what he looks like. <laughs> I'm sorry, he apologized to an audience during a TED Talk in 2013, speaking through a mask. Come on. Uh, he says, I can't show you my face. If I do, the bad guys will come at me. Those bad guys are numerous. For over a decade, the internationally acclaimed journalist. He's an internationally acclaimed journalist? I've never heard of this guy. Yeah, Anna Sanis. No, Anna Sanis. That's, oh, that's right. I thought come we were on. talking about somebody else. Did you forget else. who we were talking about? I did for a okay. second. <laughs> I did. I mean, look. Uh, Doesn't the picture? Just look at the picture. Is there a picture? We're showing. Let's see a picture yes, of Anna. We've got Anna Sanis up. If we could, um, and, uh, see, and there he is. Tell me, you, tell There's, me, you don't know Anna Sanis. This is his first disguise, which is <laughs> he's disguised as a rock. <laughs> Of his many faces, there's one which doesn't have a face at all, and it's this. Just two small holes cut into what looks like an enormous crinkled paper bag. Stupid? You bet. But his impression of a giant rock is also apparently effective. In 2010, Annis used the disguise near a border post at the Ghana-Cote d'Ivoire uh, crossing to spy on trucks from the roadside, and as it turned out, the trucks were smuggling Cocoa beans across the border. I hate that whole cocoa bean uh, oh. trade, uh, trafficking problem. You talk about uh, I mean, man when you when you transport cocoa beans across state lines. They got nothing on El Chapo. No, boy, oh, that man. pisses me you off. El Coco will. Uh, you don't want to oh, play with El you Coco. Don't. No, you do not. Oof. Now, number man. two is disguise. Number two, Jeffy, is as a <laughs> uh, a police officer. Apparently. Oh, see, mm -hmm. there he is. There he is. Look at him. He's uh, apparently this is one of his great disguises that uh, mm -hmm. makes him uh, controversial here in America as a reporter. But um, when he went after customs, oh, see, he went after customs corruption at Ghana's port of Tema. Tema? Is that right? Uh, yes. At Ghana. Mm -hmm. He dressed in a dark blue uniform with pants into combat boots, a walkie talkie, aviator sunglasses. I mean, you look at that, you think customs. Oh, you do. You think customs agent. Yeah. You don't think that he's going to write a story on you doing illegal stuff. And this report led officials to recover $200 million. Think of that. In lost state funds. That's pretty good. Man, makes that rock seem pretty good, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it does. All right. Disguise number three is uh, he's disguised as a parent with a fake baby. Uh, what? <laughs> okay, that, that's not him. <laughs> Some communities in Ghana believe that deformed or disabled children are possessed by evil spirits. Okay. The families of these spirit children seek out concoction men 
I just want to go on record as saying I, I'm usually a fan of concoction men. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Uh, now, they want the concoction men to diagnose the so-called evil lurking within. Uh, in right. <laughs> okay. So in cases where the evil is confirmed, they brew the poison and force feed it to the children mm -hmm. and kill them. Oh, boy. Oh my. He hired one such concoction man to kill a fictitious child. Uh, to assist with the reporting, one of Annis's colleagues agreed to let him use her 18-month-old son as a stand-in. Wow. Uh, wow. No. This guy's good, I'll tell you that. So, He's also dressed up as a shake. Uh, there he is. He's, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he's right out of the palace. A woman? Right there. Let's see the woman disguise. Oh, yeah, Ooh. that's pretty good. He looks good as a woman. Yeah, that's pretty good. And a homeless man. Yep. Like The Rock better. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. And then he does these uh, stealthy things, and he writes, I guess, good articles. And he's controversial, despite the fact that I've never heard of him. Annis Annis. Yeah, and it's Annis Annis. Come on. Yeah, and famous. How many times? Sleuthy reporter Annis Annis, who does a lot of disguises. Annis Annis. Really tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Also for Mental Floss, 17 amazing facts that amazing. sound made up. Made up. Made up. Made up. Uh, like fact number one, Julia Child con concocted her first recipe while working as a spy during World War II. It was a shark repellent. So we're saying that these are facts. Facts that sound made up. Made up but, but they're not. They're actually true. Because Julia Child was a spy during World War II. And she herself was a shark repellent. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, or? probably. Probably. I mean, you drop her in water with all that booze she used to drink, man. The sharks yep. were like, no thanks. Yep, nope. exactly. I'm exactly. good. Number two, Pythagoras did not believe in irrational numbers or de decimals. He also had an irrational fear of beans. <laughs> what? That is bizarre. In 1912... A Paris orphanage held a raffle to raise money. The prizes were live babies. I don't think nice. you could do that today. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I'm pretty anywhere. sure you couldn't get away with that today. Uh, fact number four. Lord Byron kept a pet bear in his college dorm room. Sounds like a fact that's not true, but it, it is. Ronald Reagan was a lifeguard during high school and saved 77 people's lives. That's a lot. That's a lot. 77 people? Man, was, how, where was he being a lifeguard at? You ever heard that before? I've never no. heard that. I have never heard that about Ronald Reagan. You hear all the that active stuff. That can't be true. That can't be for true. Bozo can't or Bonzo true. or whatever it was. 77 people, he said? That it, does sound incredible. It can't be true. I also heard a Ronald Reagan wow. story about um, one of his first radio jobs was here in Dallas-Fort Worth with one of his friends. And hmm. uh, they came through here and got the gig. And then Ronald was like, I got to go. And he was on his way out to California. Really? And his friend was like, no. And I forget the guy's name, but his friend stayed here and became like a big Dallas radio star. Really? For years, yeah. And, no, and Ron cool. went out to California and became Ron Reagan. Yeah. Huh. Very cool. Uh, number six, Jimmy, Car Jimmy Carter suffered radioactive urine for six I months. That. After stopping a nuclear meltdown in 1952 while working with the U.S. Atomic Submarine Program, he also worked as a peanut farmer. But, of course, we knew that part. Yeah, I mean, he is a peanut farmer. Yes, he is. I mean, he owned right. a bunch of property. He and Billy used to yes. drink Billy beer and I mean, crack some peanuts. Yeah. Uh, he was a peanut Everybody knew him as a peanut farmer. Yeah. But radioactive urine, that I didn't know. The <laughs> well. And that does sound 
like it's not true. But it is! <laughs> is! Is! The modern necktie was not invented for any white-collar desk job. Uh, it's got to be because it was a, 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 like a bib, right? No, if you no? read further, we'll tell you what I it know, was. I know what it said further. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I always thought it was a bib. No. You, I'm saying that's that why. correct when you read the next, very next sentence. Go ahead. I know that. I know. Try it. Share it with our audience. It was first worn by Croatian mercenaries in the 17th century. Not a bib. See? See? Not a bib. So. I, okay. Not a, not a bib. I know that, but okay. I would say, had I not, <laughs> shouldn't have said prior that. to that last reading, sentence, you I would say it. that it was a bib. Okay. Cornflakes. Number eight. Cornflakes were invented as part of John Kellogg's, what? Anti-mask, Yeah. Masturbation crusade. Anti-masturbation crusade? Yeah. He was a big... That what? Was, that was a big thing. How would that help with that? I forget what the heck the Corn, does that. corn do something that it takes away that desire or ability? No. Or I can't remember what the heck it was. He do was you a, pass out so you just don't think of it? Or <laughs> corn flakes taste so bland that it just you lose your zest for life? <laughs> what, what happened? I don't know how that helps. That's I can't a remember weird what the fact. heck. He was working on something. You've for, heard this for, before? Yes, because really? Kellogg's really is in, is in uh, you know, Tampa? Michigan. Oh, now Michigan, in okay. Michigan. You grew up in Michigan, you know where Kellogg's is. It's agonizing. How about this? Hours before being assassinated in 1968, Martin Luther King took part in a motel pillow fight. Really? That's a fact? I mean, <laughs> is that a fact anybody gives a rasiness about? I don't think so. But. Is that, like, uh, <laughs> these are amazing facts that sound made up, Pat. And but some of them are. don't sound amazing. 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 The circular saw was invented by Tabitha Babbitt in 1812. Another non-amazing fact. Napoleon was once attacked by rabbits. <laughs> what? Napoleon was attacked by rabbits. And what did they do to him? Cute I don't him, know. Cute him to death. I don't know. Well, you know what rabbits always try to do. Um, yes. Queen Elizabeth, I banned potatoes from her court. No, I think it's Queen Elizabeth the first, not Queen Elizabeth. I banned. Is that right? Potatoes from That's why. Thank you. You're welcome. Queen Elizabeth, that's what it says. First. It says right there. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I'm just telling you. <laughs> In 1577, she added a unicorn horn to England's crown jewels. That's kind of weird. Why would you do Number that? 14, Princeton researchers successfully turned a live cat into a functioning telephone in 1929. What? what? No, that's not true. No, that's not true. That's an amazing fact that sounds true. And isn't! Isn't! <laughs> isn't! Isn't! Although they say it is. Wow. Kim, Kim Jong I I wrote six operas. So again, it's Kim Jong Il. Kim Jong Il. Says I I right there. Yeah, it's Kim Jong Il. He wrote six operas though. That does surprise me. That does that surprise. That you? can't be true. Uh, Saint these Nicholas. Are facts. These, these got to be facts that sound made up. This I knew. Saint Nicholas didn't live near the North Pole. He lived in Demmer, uh, Turkey, where no one celebrates Christmas. That I didn't know. I don't think I knew this either. British spies briefly used semen as invisible ink during World War I. <laughs> Every man has his own stylo. Good. That's good. Those are weird facts. That sound fake but aren't or something. More patents too coming up. Some in a of them are not amazing. No, some are <laughs> definitely not amazing. Some are just icky, frankly. <laughs>
Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. Coming up, uh, I, I think it's coming next year, right? Superman versus Batman or Batman yeah. versus Superman. Warner Brothers just finished, finished up showcasing it. Uh, Dawn of Justice at the San Diego Comic-Con, during which fans in attendance were given a brand new trailer for the hotly anticipated DC Ensemble. It's pretty good. It's online now for everybody to see. Uh, fearing the actions of a godlike superhero left unchecked, Gotham City's own formidable, forceful vigilante takes on Metropolis' most revered modern-day savior while the world wrestles with what sort of hero it really needs. One issue, though. Yeah, I bet Superman would crush Batman. Come and, on. And um, the actor playing Batman? It's Ben Affleck. Agonizing. <laughs> ben Affleck, first of all. What kind of dude like would before. ruin a relationship with Jennifer Garner? Oh, well, cheating on her, yeah, gambling, you know what they say, boozing. Pat. I read it on the cover of National you know Enquirer say, though, yesterday Pat. in the checkout line. You know what they say? He's Pat. boozing. I don't care. He's gambling. He's cheating. I know, but she probably wouldn't shut up. <laughs> it was sooner or later. You got to just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Here's a look at Batman versus Superman. Just to shut him up. Today is a day for truth. The world needs to know what happened and to know what he stands for. That kind of power is very dangerous. Let the record show that this committee holds him responsible. That's how it starts. The fever. The rage that turns good men. Cruel. This bat vigilante is like a one-man reign of terror. You don't get to decide what the right thing is. Nobody cares about Clark Kent taking on the Batman. This means something. It's all some people have. It's all that gives them hope. People hate what they don't understand. Be their hero, Clark. Be their angel. Be their monument. Be anything they need you to be. Or be none of it. You don't owe this world a thing. You never did. Do you know the oldest lie in America, Senator? The devils don't come from hell beneath us. They come from the sky. 20 years in Gotham, how many good guys are left? How many stayed that way? He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. You're gonna go to 
black and blue. God versus man. Day versus night. The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. Look and, then, and then they become really close personal friends. Yeah. After the battle, they become, you know, they understand each other. They understand one another. They come to a, an arrangement. They come together. They come together. Is that actually what happens? I, have no, I, I don't I know. I don't. But please. I mean, Superman would kill him with one punch. I know. Right? He could knock him to the moon. He has the power to yeah. destroy the whole earth. Right. That means I can destroy you. Yeah. Batman doesn't have any special Anytime powers. I want. He's got a utility belt. He doesn't have special powers. Take you and your little car back to your little cave. You kidding me? My money's on Superman. Yeah, every that day. Right and every that, day. And the guy who plays him over Ben Affleck, who's a douche. Okay? All right. Every We're day. On that happy night. Every day.